Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Wrestle Life Radio, episode 142. I'm your host this week, Kyle Pauly, but uh, I'm not alone. I'm joined by Micah. What's going Never on, Micah? Never alone. I'm always here for you. I got you. <laughs> Never alone. Very true. Uh, we're Matt is alone, I guess. Yeah, probably he's probably doing D and D or something. Yeah, he's he's the Brandon Cutler of uh, Wrestle Life Radio. That's right. Just yeah. doing his own thing. And we're the young bucks. We've turned our backs on him. <laughs> Brandon Cutler's <laughs> on a streak now. He's got three whole wins. I don't know if you've seen that. Yeah. Something Matt can strive for, because Lord knows he's not a winner. Three whole wins. <laughs> <laughs> so we've had a couple of uh, interesting weeks, not only for the show, but in wrestling, and we'll get into that. But obviously, if you're listening and you're a regular listener, we, uh, we've we been off the last couple of weeks. I mean, not completely off, but off of our schedule. First week, you guys went to full gear. Uh you did two AW reviews. I was out because uh, I went to a wedding, so I could not review Raw and SmackDown. I'm sure the fans felt horrible about it. I, I heard the cries from, from my house. It was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, I like, got back into town. And we said, Kyle's not here, so screw WWE. We're not reviewing <laughs> that crap. Well, and then I basically had to say screw WWE because I got back with like a crap ton of work from my real job because I took a whole week off for a, for a wedding. And then, uh, yeah, I've just been horrible about finding time to watch five hours of wrestling. So here we are. Five hours recording. of wrestling you don't want to watch. Say it like it is. <laughs> Tell the truth. Exactly. So since you guys had already caught up on AEW and Raw and SmackDown, we're pretty much the only things left. We decided to hold off. And not only that, we talked it over and we're like, you know what? It kind of just makes sense at this point. WWE five hours a week is just like ridiculous. And it's, I will say SmackDown's not horrible, but my God, Raw's still pretty bad. So we're going to shift. We kind of what we did in the original, like in the beginning, we were on Thursday nights uh, where we recorded and then we post a show on Friday. And so we're going to alternate um, to where the weekend review is going to happen on Fridays. Uh, at the normal time, we usually post in the morning around uh, nine central time, uh, 10 Eastern time. And so that's when the show is going to be posted from now on out. And what I guess Indie Focus is going to be on Tuesdays or Wednesdays. Yeah, I think he said either Tuesday or Wednesday. We'll, we'll keep you guys informed. Probably the next episode he posts, he'll let you know everything on that. Um, Matthew kind of heads up the Indie Focus. But yeah, I think right now we're doing it on Saturdays. And I believe he's going to be shifting it to Tuesday. So you can expect that on Tuesdays from now on. Yeah, so not a horrible shift. I mean, we're still going to put out our shows. We just had like a little bit of a... Yeah, don't worry, guys. We'll still be here for you. Yes. We're not not going anywhere. We'll be here to watch all this wrestling so you don't have to. We'll be here to watch AEW. (laughs) Yeah, and honestly, uh, yeah, we'll still... I think we're still cover cover WWE, but it's just going to be in a much condensed fashion because, yeah, until they improve... Like I said, I mean, SmackDown has at least been easier to watch, at least the main event stuff. But yeah, Raw's just been a chore to get through. And I mean, we want to put a good show on on for you guys. And I mean, if I'm showing up every week beaten and abused with five hours of wrestling, it's going to do nobody any favors. So, yeah. And let's be honest. We just really don't want to support WWE right now. They're a bad company. They're making terrible decisions for their employees. we'll, We'll talk about some of their decisions they've made here recently. Um, but like, they're just not, 
they're not good people, right? Like we're giving all this press and we're, we're spending all this time supporting this company that's treating their employees air quotes because they're not employees like crap. And I just, I, I don't know. I feel like I kind of feel dirty about it. I'm sure you feel the same way, like sitting yeah. here and devoting viewership and you know, they're, they're selling ads off of your views. And I feel like the best way for us to say, Hey, we don't agree with what you're doing is to stop covering them and to stop watching pretty much. So if not only their booking decisions, which are generally God awful, but also their personal business practices, which are just right now, just kind of despicable, if I'm being honest. Yeah. And I mean, we'll segue right into it now that you're talking about it. But yeah. if you don't know, um, this week, Selena Vega, who is, um, you know, she was a very great manager on NXT with Andrade. Uh, they were a great pairing on Raw. I think she had just been moved to SmackDown and they had broken them up, obviously, because that's what they do. You may um, remember her as the uh, the leader of the stable that carried Raw through the entirety of COVID. I say the true. entirety up to this point of COVID. We're still going. At least Paul Heyman's money, not Raw. Yeah. She was a pretty big factor. But, I mean, she um, was like at least like an hour of the three-hour show every week. And she was great. It wasn't like Baron Corbin that yeah. would come on and take the entire show. That was crap. She was good. Yeah. So um, very talented. Uh, but as you all know, WWE uh, wanted their talent to stop participating in third party uh, brands like Twitch and Cameo and all these third party things. And it just didn't make much sense because uh, I mean, I just, this, I guess hasn't been reported, but you know, just me assuming I assumed it was because stories were beginning to leak out. Like, um, well, people are going on and doing interviews about WWE and they were just getting some negative press. And then people like AJ went out on his Twitch stream and talked about getting COVID when WWE got angry when Renee Young, you know, put out that, you know, she had tested positive. So I think that was kind of the final straw. And, but Hey, listen, it's weird because if you don't know WWE wrestlers in their contracts, they have downside guarantees, which are, this is like the minimum that you're going to make on this contract. Yeah. But you can make more than that. Plus commission kind of set up. Yeah. And you make more money if you do more shows. Well, they're not doing more shows now because they're not having live events. Their merch is, you know, probably not selling as well. They're just having to, you know, all their revenue streams that they were getting from, you know, what they would normally do has been cut. I mean, don't, don't overstate it too much. They've made more money this year than the entirety of their entire company. Well, no, WWE, I'm talking about the wrestlers. Yeah, 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 for sure. So yeah, WWE, the company has made more money this year than ever laid people off when they probably didn't have to. Um, and yeah, but they couldn't stand their wrestlers trying to make up the money that they were losing. They're independent contractors, pandemic. which they don't supply insurance for or any other kind of benefits and also can just cut whenever with no kind of protection. Yep. So Not employees. There, there was obviously a lot of backlash from this from superstars. I mean, people like Paige went on, she went on her Twitch and just like broke down because hey, she's retired. She, she broke her neck in WWE. She said twice. Yeah, uh, for that company, and she can't wrestle anymore. She she obviously had some on air roles a couple of times, but I mean, she's been used sparingly, like on talk shows here and there. But uh, she can't be making a whole lot of money. Um, well, and you look that. at and you look at Paige too. It's someone who had something she loved taken away from her, working right. for a company like WWE. And yes, that's the only reason she's still on staff at WWE is because it's good publicity for them to keep her on staff for sure. It's not because. She still has something to offer the company because if it were anybody else, she'd have been cut. 
she had that movie with the rock right so that was mm-hmm. good press for him and that that's garnered a lot of press around her so they're not going to cut her because it's good press to have her around right but she can't do anything she can't wrestle she wants to wrestle but the doctors won't clear her to wrestle so she went out and built something for herself her twitch channel that she enjoys doing she makes decent money on and has no connections to the WWE. Her name is not even Paige over there. It's, yeah. She goes by a completely different name. And they said, you know what? You can't have this anymore. It's mine. Yep. Or, so, you, or you close it. Basically. Yeah. And that not just for her, for everybody. Um, so for, for everyone. Yeah, for sure. But her situation specifically is really terrible for me because you have somebody who did something they love. They lost the ability to do something they love. They found something else they love. And then the person that they were working for that they, they gave that ability to said, no, you can't have this. It's- well, and somebody like, I mean, obviously Paige is a very, I mean, yeah, it makes total sense. And like I said, she went on her Twitch chat, uh, Twitch stream and broke down and, you know, said that it was not only giving her that revenue stream, but also keeping her sane because she wasn't doing anything. Yeah. Especially and, during during the freaking uh, pandemic too. Like they're staying home. What's better to do than to go online, hang out with friends and play video games. And that goes for all the other superstars like Zelina who aren't on the road anymore. I mean, if they're not at TV, they're just sitting at home. They're They're working out and trying to stay healthy, but they're trying to find other things to do, trying to find ways to make up that revenue that they're not making. And she's also a woman in WWE who, I mean, we had the women's revolution, but I guarantee you a lot of these women are not making what some of the men are making. Uh, I'm sure there's still a gap there. And she's, she, she's one that wanted to put her foot down and say, this is ridiculous. We shouldn't have this taken away from us. I mean, we're she's not the using one that our... originally brought up unions as well. Well, she, so that was kind of where the problem lied, right? So she, she put her foot down. She, uh, she went out and made a only fans account, which, you know, has a stigma to it because a lot of porn stars are on that site. People put out, you know, nude photos of themselves. She wasn't going to do that. She said she was only going to do cosplay, but it was just another way for her to try and make money outside of what WWE is trying to restrict from her. And apparently that was the last straw for her, uh, according to WWE. Um, and they gave her her release. She then went on Twitter, um, the the events played out of she went on Twitter and posted that she was wanted to support union, unionization for wrestlers. And then WWE put out that she had been released, but 10 minutes uh, later. Yeah. So, but she, she never like, released before that. Cause yeah, they, it's not like she made the tweet and then they were like, Oh crap, we got to release her. Let's make a statement. It yeah. was, she knew she was released. She was tired of their bull crap. She released a statement about unionization and honestly, I kind of feel like it was a last jab at WWE because then it gave the stigma of, hey, they fired her because she's for unionization. Right. So honestly, good on her. I think that's a pretty smart move. And she'll get hired somewhere else. I have no for doubt. Sure. Like it, it, it sucks because a lot of these people, they want a main event WrestleMania. WWE is like the mecca for wrestling. It still is. Um, but it's, hey, it's not the only place anymore. So yeah, definitely not. She'll, I mean, she'll have a job somewhere else, I'm sure. Either she would Impact be, or... Yeah. Um, AEW, she'll have somewhere to go. And uh, I mean, her husband's still at WWE, so who knows what's going to happen there. But (laughs) they'll probably start putting through tables pretty soon. But uh, yeah, she's been pretty terrible. And then to top it all off today, uh, I mean, that happened earlier in the week. And, um, you know, we we were just about to record the show. And then they put out that uh, a limited release on Cameo, the WWE is going to sponsor The Undertaker doing Cameos. Yeah, 30 cameos like, for a thousand dollars a piece. 
a thousand dollars a piece, which is just insane. Now, and, what the difference is, is I bet Vince has got some of that money coming to him. Oh yeah, Dodo is getting a percentage of that for sure. I can almost guarantee you. Or for no, the Undertaker, he may just be doing it for the WWE. Who knows? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really overall a really crappy situation. And a lot of people are saying, well, AEW is the same way. The difference with AEW is they allow their talent to not only do other projects on the side, whether it be Twitch or Cameo or whatever, they allow them to wrestle in other promotions at the same time. It's not, they're not employees, but they're not treated like employees. And not only that, they also offer a lot of backstage positions to their wrestlers so they can get insurance and full benefits. I mean, you have Aubrey Edwards, who's a referee who would never get any kind of uh, benefits. She's got a backstage role, so she gets insurance. Chris Jericho, for the first time in his life, is getting provided insurance because of his backstage role. The EVPs all get it, I'm sure. Leva Bates, uh, I know for sure she gets uh, some some stuff backstage. Uh, Tony Schiavone, uh, or just some I've heard mentioned specifically about how Tony Khan has provided them jobs backstage so that they will have an option to get insurance. But... It's not an issue of them being treated like employees because let's be honest, if wrestlers were to completely unionize and had to get treated like employees, I don't know if wrestling would survive, if I'm being honest, because it's too dangerous of a sport and there's honestly like, I don't know, I, just, I don't feel like it would really work. However, if you're going to treat your employees like this, I hope they unionize and I hope they spin you out of business. That's, that's the way I feel personally. Yeah. I mean, I don't blame you for feeling that way. Uh, it's, it's a tough situation and it's, it's, it's been done this way for a long time. It's not, you know, a recent thing. It's really been done this way forever. Wrestlers have never, I mean, that's why a lot of wrestlers, you know, wrestle in the indie scene until they basically die because they have to pay for insurance and have to pay for all these surgeries that they're getting from years and years of abuse on their body. And that's why, they die early because they had to work themselves to death until they're 50 or 60. And that's basically the end of the road for a lot of them. So um, it sucks. WWE's treating them like trash. So, yeah. And it's not that I want the WWE to go out of business. I just want them to do better. Like yeah. I want WWE to be around. It's a big part of my childhood. I want WWE to book. Well, I want to be able to enjoy it, but they're just, it's just, it's, it's really, I don't understand how they're so blind to what they're doing. Not only that, you got to think of Twitch, Cameo, all this stuff, or Twitch specifically. How good of a publicity is that for the younger generation coming up? Because there's tons of kids that don't watch TV, but by God, they're watching Xavier Woods or Apollo Creed on Twitch, and they're like, hey, this guy wrestles. They're going over and watching WWE now. They're buying T-shirts. They're going to shows. They're creating a next generation of fans. But instead, they're like, you know what? No, you just you can't do that anymore unless well, we. Get a, the primary uh, fan base is the forty nine and older. So it is. It really they is. Watch Twitch. Why do they care? I mean, let's <laughs> let's just go right into it. Raw was beaten this week by AEW in their key demo, which I think is eighteen to thirty four yeah. by point two. But you look, AEW's uh, fifty plus was like point one three. Freaking Raw's is like point five zero. So almost the entirety of the viewers that are beating shows like AEW shows like NXT are 50 plus, And that's, that's what they're banking on. But guess what? In 20 years, are the 50 plus going to be around? No, they're going to be the 70 plus and they're going to be watching Fox news. Okay. <laughs> well, and that's so, why, uh, that's why these networks don't really care about the, they, they care about the 18 to 49. 
Yeah, and it's, the big the big reason for that too is because the advertising is more expensive because eighteen to forty nine uh, males specifically, I guess, are more inclined to buy advertisements. I don't know mm-hmm. the, the math behind that, but that's what I've heard from marketers. But yeah, I don't I don't get why they're running the business this way. I know that Vince is an old old man and he's very very strange in his own ways. But this is this is kind of ridiculous. It really is. It sure is. So let's uh let's talk about the wrestling programs. Yeah, I, I guess. I give the you know give I the didn't rundown. I want to rant for forty more minutes if I'm being honest. <laughs> we could honestly, but we uh, we want to get to AEW and um, we haven't had a good rant in a while. We've just been so apathetic <laughs> for so long. Yeah, and Lord knows we could even rant about these shows, but we don't want to take up everybody's time on them. So I couldn't uh, because I didn't watch them. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. So. Um, yeah, we'll start with SmackDown this week. Uh, and again, we're, we're, we're going to run through these fairly quickly. Uh, I probably won't even upgrade on them, honestly. Um, if you have to know, SmackDown's pretty decent. The main stuff on the show is Raw. Meh, not so much. So basically, SmackDown opened this week with the best thing going on on the show right now, which is Roman Reigns, Jey Uso, that whole story. So Roman Reigns comes out with Paul Heyman, uh, talks about... Um, he calls the ring the island of relevancy because basically anybody who steps in the ring with him becomes relevant. He says Jay wasn't relevant until he got in the ring with him. Now he's relevant. He talks about Orton, says he doesn't respect him. When suddenly Drew McIntyre's music hits, of all people, uh, he comes out. He says he's going to beat Orton on Raw. He'll face Roman at Survivor Series. Um, basically says once Reigns left after WrestleMania, Drew took over. Uh, but then Reigns stopped him and said, well, hey, you're on Raw and nobody watches Raw. And I did love this. Heyman, like not even on the microphone, but behind Reigns just yells, you're not missing much. <laughs> Talking about people not watching Raw. That's uh, true. So that was pretty hilarious. So um, Drew and they're basically teasing Drew and Roman, which, hey, it's, for me is far more interesting than Roman and Orton. So I was in here cheering. I was like, please, like, just get the belt back to this guy. So. Uh, but this brings out Jey Uso. He runs in to support uh, Roman. He uh, gets in Drew's face, challenges him to a match. Uh, before Drew can answer, uh, Jay drops the mic. He, Roman, and Heyman let, leave. They go to the back. Roman then is furious in the back uh, for Jay standing up and challenging Drew, saying that he's in charge. But Jay says, hey, I promise I'll take care of it. So uh, it was a really good opening segment. Everybody involved is great. Even Heyman, though he's he's a mouthpiece, but he's not saying anything in the story. <laughs> so I like him there. He's good to be there, but he hasn't really done much being in this role. I mean, Roman's kind of speaking for his own. Like, so I don't know. But uh I do like the idea of Roman versus Drew better than Roman versus Orton. So we'll see what happens with that title situation. Uh, we also had, speaking of title situations, we had Sami Zayn versus Apollo Crews for the Intercontinental Championship. Uh, very randomly thrown together. Sami even said so himself. He can, he comes out and complains that he didn't know until 7 p.m. tonight that he was going to defend this belt, which is kind of a, a rib because most of the time they don't finish SmackDown like writing the show until like right before they tape, which is just, I mean, WCW level. Sometimes of during their taping. Yeah, so he probably actually didn't know until, you know, right before he's coming out that he's going to defend this belt. But um, so he, he has to defend it against Apollo. Uh, nothing to this match, really. They It was like very, it kept very short, which is disappointing seeing that, you know, Sammy and Apollo are great workers. Essentially, 
Apollo had the advantage. Sane went on the uh, outside. Apollo followed followed him. Uh, Sammy tied, like he ripped off the ring apron, tied Apollo's foot up in the apron, and he climbed back in and he got the count on victory. So nothing big here. Uh, Sammy retains. So it seems like he's going to go on to Survivor Series and go up against Bobby Lashley. Uh, then we also got a segment with Drew in the back talking to uh, Pierce, saying he wants his match with Jay. Pierce says it has to be unsanctioned for some dumb reason. So Drew agrees, and that sets up the main event, Drew versus Jay, for the main event of the show. Uh, also, Drew says he wants Roman to be there at ringside. We then got a Sasha Banks segment that uh, we basically got a recap of Sasha retaining against Bayla last weekend. She talks about the haters. I was just like, I just rolled my eyes and I was like, I'm just supposed to be a baby face. Like, I just hate. <laughs> uh, call me a hater, I guess. I hate when she talks like that. So then Bailey comes out. They yell at each other. Carmella comes in, attacks from behind, just like she did about, uh, last week. So just a nothing happening segment. It was basically a repeat of what they did last week. So nothing big. Then uh, we had Otis versus Dolph. Uh, but before that, Otis was in the back with three plates of food eating by himself when Dolph and Bobbert walk up. They tease him. I mean, they're basically Miz and Morrison on SmackDown version. Um, they basically come up, tease him about eating alone. He lost his briefcase, lost his girlfriend. Otis gets angry. He flips the table, tosses his food. Uh, Bobbert and Ziggler run away. So that leads to their match. Uh, basically, Otis dominated the entire time. Rude played distraction a little bit, but it didn't really matter. Otis hit the Caterpillar and the Vader Bomb and beat Dolph Ziggler. And then after the match, Otis was upset in the back. He was approached by Chad Gable. No no longer Shorty G. But Gable talks about wanting to be Otis' mentor, gives him a pamphlet for the Alpha Academy. Uh, Otis is pumped up and he walks off and then Chad gives like a sinister grin. So they're teasing like Chad is going to be a partner to Otis who just lost his tag partner. So much, much like Peyton and Lacey on Raw, who are just thrown together after Peyton lost her tag partner, they're putting Chad Gable and Otis together. So whatever. They break up heavy machinery so they could put him with Shorty G. Okay. I don't get it. I don't either. <laughs> so it's, we'll see where it goes. But then we did have something really good that happened on the show. Uh, it was weird because it came out of nowhere. It's Seth Rollins versus Rey Mysterio, and they tease it as the final confrontation, the final match between these two out of nowhere. Like they've had some pretty decent momentum with this story. And just out of nowhere, they're like, yep, Seth versus Ray. This is the last time they're doing it. Uh, like all of a sudden, Buddy Murphy was back with Seth for the for the sake of like the segment. Like he was beating him up last week for no reason, but now he's just back with him. And then Alea is like with the Mysterio family. It was very weird setup, but hey, it was a really good match. Uh, it took up like a chunk of the show. Uh, I mean, back and forth the entire time. They played. They told a story where Ray was going after Seth's knee. Seth kept trying to bring in the chair. He went after Ray's eye during multiple you know times. Um, There's a cool spot where uh, Seth tried to power slam Ray on the apron, but Ray turned it into a DDT. Um, there was also a cool spot where they set up a table on the outside. They were fighting on the turnbuckle. Ray tried to turn it into a hurricane Rana, but Seth just powered on to the table for a near fall. It was, Oh, I forgot to say it's a no holds barred match. Um, so the notice qualification, uh, 
Seth then got up and tried to jam the chair into Mysterio's eye. That is weird because the Dominic or the Mysterio family was out there, so they didn't like get involved at any point until you know he the chair you know jabbing into Mysterio's eye it was too much for Dominic to bear. So he gets up and tries to you know stop Seth. Steph, Seth uh, shoves him away, and then he gets in Alea's face. Uh, Murphy gets in between them. He gets in the ring with Seth. Hand, uh, Seth hands uh, the chair to him, uh, or something like that. Uh, basically, they tease that Murphy was going to you know, attack Ray for Seth, but then he changed his mind, attacks Seth instead, uh, hits him with a V-trigger, uh, and then Alea celebrated on the outside as you know Murphy finally turned on this guy, even though he turned on him last week. Rollins then chased Murphy. This allowed Ray to catch him with 619. Uh, paid tribute to Eddie Guerrero, which this is actually the 15th anniversary of Remus, or, uh, Eddie Guerrero's death. He hits the frog splash, pins Seth. He's triumphant. Uh, they send Seth packing. After the match, Ray Mysterio invites Murphy into the ring. Murphy shakes Ray's hand, so they all make amends. So Murphy, the Mysterio family, they're all reunited. They're they're or they're all united. They're all on the same page now. And Seth is sent packing. I mean, it was very rushed, but at least it was a really good match. It was a happy ending. So hey, I can't complain too much. And really, the reason they did this was because I could just imagine Seth going to the higher ups and be like, "Hey guys, I told you this is when I was leaving because my yeah. wife is about to give birth to our child." And I needed to go be by her side. And they're like, oh, crap, you're right. Yeah, it's like they forgot to mark it on the calendar. And he's like, you know, guys, you know, I'm, I'm off for like three months next week, right? Like I'm, I'm leaving. And they're like, uh, yeah, we knew that uh, you versus Ray this week. Yeah. So yeah, it's nothing very like felt, long-term booking. Yeah. It felt very rushed to the ending. I mean, they've been building the story for a long time, but I mean, Murphy wasn't aligned with Seth again anymore. Alea was estranged from her family. But they just kind of undid all that just to do this. But it was good. I can't complain too much. Um, they did tease that Seth was going to come back and get revenge later, which I was like, just end it. <laughs> just let him go away. Come back as a baby face. We'll be fine. But whatever. So it was still cool. Really good match. So it was a highlight on the show. Uh, something that wasn't really a highlight uh, was actually a low light on the show. They had a uh, Survivor Series women's qualifying match for, I think they only got like two members on the SmackDown team up until this point. It's Bianca and Ruby, whereas Raw basically has their entire team, or so we thought. But uh, yeah, so they're having another qualif- qualifying position. Uh, it's a fatal four-way. It was originally supposed to be a like a three-way, but then Chelsea Green just like showed up backstage, and now she's injected into the match for all for like a couple minutes because she got knocked off the apron and broke her arm, which she had broken the same arm before. So uh, yeah, made her SmackDown debut broke her arm and is now back off of the show. So very sad. So, um, and then it was rumored. I've heard like reports that she was supposed to win this, which would make sense if she was just debuting. Um, But they obviously couldn't do that. So either whether she was supposed to win or whether she wasn't going to win, they had to change plans. Uh, Liv Morgan ended up getting the win, which is actually pretty good because her and Natalia worked the most of this match together. They actually looked pretty good. Uh, Tamina was also in there, but um, she was kind of taken out early. So uh, Liv Morgan was able to hit her finisher, which is like the code breaker basically, on Tamina. She picks the win, and she joins her tag partner on the Survivor Series match. So we now have Bianca, Liv, and um, Ruby Riot on the SmackDown team so far. So fine. 
it works. They made it, they made it work with a bad situation. Just sad for Chelsea Green, obviously. And then we had the main event, the unsanctioned match between Drew, uh, Drew and Jay. Uh, this was this was a good match as well. Um, just kind of weird because it was unsanctioned, which I guess the only rules were the Raw and SmackDown official weren't held responsible for what was going to happen. Um, Drew basically controlled everything early until Jay was able to hit a low blow and a super kick. Uh, Drew kept trying to fight back. He hit the Glasgow kick and a spine buster for a near fall. Tried to go for Claymore, but Jay rolled out of the ring and just brought out Roman Reigns. Uh, this distracted Drew when he came out, allowing Jay to shove him into the post, which is kind of weird because Drew wanted him out there. But then um, Uso went and stood by Reigns. Uh, uh, Roman told him to make him pay, but Jay said, hey, I got him. I, I got this handled. Gets back in the ring, tried to fight you know, fight against Drew. When out of nowhere, Drew has managed to hit the Claymore and picks up the win. Uh, after the match, Roman and Drew have a stare down to end the show. Totally not a spoiler for what's going to happen on Raw, but like I said, the good stuff that happened on the show was pretty good. There was some stuff that was just like, you know, the Otis and the Sasha segments. Uh, nothing happened really. So it was okay. Uh, you know, easy to watch. Two hours, not horrible. Uh, but as we move into Raw, it's not the same story. Um, basically, Drew opened the show coming out in his street clothes. Uh, talked about how he was going to, you know, beat Orton later in the show. Orton came on the screen, talked about how he, you know, guaranteed he was not going to lose. He, he's going to submit his legacy by retaining his title. Uh, but just before um, we thought Drew was about to leave, we thought everything was over. When all of a sudden the Miz comes out and he basically says, hey, you know, it doesn't really matter who wins tonight because I'm going to cash in on both of you or either one of you and win. Uh, like I said, Bray Wyatt's like afraid of him. That's why he didn't show up last week. I, I don't know. So Miz basically t- teases he is going to cash in at the main event for whoever wins. Uh, spoiler alert, that did not happen. So it basically amounted to nothing. We then got a six-woman tag match between Asuka, Mandy, and Dana, Naya, Shayna, and Lana. Um, <laughs> just weird. It started out with Lana in the back saying she wanted to prove herself uh, being deserving to be on Team Raw, where Naya and Shayna were just like, hey, you suck. We don't even want you to tag in, so don't even try anything. So, uh, And they were right because uh, they took out Mandy. Obviously, she had an injured shoulder going into this, uh, so they didn't even let her do anything. They took her out of the match. They teased that she had an injury. So it's just been down to Dana and Asuka. Shayna and Nia were able to kind of take them on to the point where Shayna straight up had Asuka in the, the uh, Kirafuda clutch, her finishing move, choking out the women's champion. And when all of a sudden Lana tagged herself in, Shayna was like, let go. Of the, she had to break the hold. And she was like, what are you doing? Like I had my finish on her. She was about to pass out. Like Asuka was not about to fight out of this move. And Lana's like, I got this. She gets kicked in the head and beaten. Just, and supposedly, Naya and Shayna are supposed to be the heels here. And Lana is the baby face. So tell me how that works. <laughs> she comes in and looks like a geek. I mean, they said that she sucks and she basically does because she got beaten straight up here. And then, of course, after the match, she sees Nia go out and clear off the announce table. She's just sitting in the ring, like staring at her doing it. Shayna is like standing on the other side of the ring eventually, but Lana doesn't even try to run. They throw her on the outside. Nia picks her up. She's like, you know what? Good for you. I respect you. You had some guts. Lana's like, oh, really? And Nia's like, psych. 
picks her up, and for the ninth week in a row, puts her through the announce table. So Lana is getting over in WWE. Yeah, I, I guess. Uh, like I mentioned to Kyle beforehand, this has lasted longer than Raw Underground did, so long-term storytelling, I guess. Yeah, so uh, not a good way to ba- build a babyface. So if she beats anybody in the Survivor Series match, I'm going to be furious. She'll probably beat Liv or Ruby, but it's just going to be she's, dumb. She's going to win the whole thing. You understand. <laughs> Long-term storytelling, Kyle. I bet she's going to get put through. the. I'm going to book it right here. She's going to get put through the, um, through the announce table like at the very beginning of the match by Nia. And she's going to be dead on the outside through the entire thing until everybody's eliminated. And she's going to be the last survivor. And she's going to win. It's, it'll be really stupid, but I bet she's going to win. I'm just going to she's put gonna, it out there. She's going to put them all through a table. <laughs> if she puts Nia through a table, I'm done. That's kind of what I don't her team think is, she but... physically could put Nia through a table. Exactly. I think it's Nia would have to jump on the table herself and then have it break. Yeah. And I don't even I I don't want to shame anybody, but I'm not convinced she could jump on the table. But we'll see. Uh we then had a bad Firefly for now segment. It was just Bray Wyatt. He called out the Miz and like did some fake karate and stuff and said he didn't want to get on his bad side. So they're gonna have a match later. Alexa was there. Her business had a pro- promo. We were we basically reached the second hour of the show with only seven minutes of wrestling, which was basically the women's tag match. A lot of promos on the show. Uh, we then had Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods defending the Raw titles against Sheldon and Cedric, which is a pretty decent match, uh, but the New Day retained their belts. Um just, you know, a means to an end of, you know, they want New Day versus uh, the, uh, what's their name? Um, crap. I was for the Street Profits. I said, I was going to mix with Private Party because their gimmicks are so similar. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so they're going to go on and defend against them at Summer Sl- or uh, Survivor Series. Uh, we then had a weird segment where they're, so they're trying to make Seamus into like a baby face when he's around Drew for some reason. So he runs into Drew in the back. Says he's like wishing him luck tonight. He's like talking about the good old days. Um, and then he like brings Drew all the stuff back. He said he went and talked to his parents in Scotland and learned about his family history. It's just really weird. But he gives him this crate, like straight out of, straight out of like a loot crate in a video game. Uh, it's got like his old kilt, like blue kilt in it. He gives him a straight up sword, like like out of Lord of the Rings or like, Final Fantasy, like this giant Celtic sword. And it was a Claymore, right? I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, that Claymore belongs to Vince McMahon. Uh, oh. is, of course, Vince McMahon has a Claymore. Sure. I mean, it's supposedly passed down from the McIntyre family, but maybe it was Vince's sword. I don't, I have no idea. But uh, speaking of the uh, eight of the Survivor Series, um, so we have an eight man tag here. Between Retribution and Braun Strowman, Keith Lee, Sheamus, and Matt Riddle, who you would think would destroy these geeks uh, from Retribution. But as we saw in a segment earlier on in the show, these guys can't get along. Matt Riddle's trying to give everybody nicknames. AJ didn't know his um, his new associate spoke English this whole time. Uh, he can't get his team to get, get along with each other. It's strange. So he puts together this eight-man tag match. To which they lose. <laughs> just 
I mean, granted, they were dominating the entire time and like Retribution was like not getting over. But which actually kind of makes it worse because Matt Riddle, who won two matches last week, gets rolled up and beaten. It just, just weird. It's just dumb. Like these guys are like fighting each other over who's like the captain of the team. They can't get along. They look totally dysfunctional. And you know what? I bet they're going to win at Survivor Series. It's, I mean, it's the only way I can see it happening. So it is what it is. So then we got Bray Wyatt versus The Miz. We did have a segment where Nikki Cross tried to once again snap Alexa out of it. It did not work. Alexa shoved her and ran her off. So she accompanied Bray to the ring. It was just actually Bray Wyatt wasn't the fiend. So he was out there in his sweater and khakis, I guess. Um, He's going up against The Miz. It didn't last very long. Uh, Alexa, like, attacked John Morrison on the outside and, like, over the barricade, knocked him on the outside. Miz tried his, like, corner clothesline thing, but Wyatt, like, was unaffected by it. Hit him with a sister Abigail and straight up beat him. So, spoiler alert, no cash in from the Miz tonight. Because I guess he's just dead from Bray Wyatt. And that takes us into the third hour of the show. <sighs> My God, this is just going on so long. Uh, we get a video package for Orton and McIntyre. Angel Garza cuts a promo. Just like this whole show is like filled with promos and segments. We also got Dana Brooke was checking on Mandy on the outside of her, of the trainer's room. She gets jumped by retribute or Yeah. No, uh, uh, what's her name? She's from Retribution, but it's Mia Yim, basically. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I forget her name. It's Rebellion or some stupid name. Reckoning? So she attacked, is it Reckoning? Reckoning, that's it. Yeah. yeah. I'm sad that I know that. Yeah, me too. So uh, she attacks Dana from behind, kills her. So it's announced that Mandy and Dana are both out because you can't have one of this thrown together team on uh, the Survivor Series show. So then they put in another team that's just thrown together. It's Lacey and Peyton Royce. So, and funny enough too, like after Peyton and uh, Billy got broken up, Peyton went out of her way to post on Twitter that like, there's no way I'm going to team with anybody else but Billy ever. Like, I'm not going to ever have a tag partner again besides my best friend. So of course, WWE sticks with Lacey and she just goes along with it. So they are replacing Dana and... Mandy on the Survivor Series team. So just now, Peyton, um, Lacey, Naya, Shayna, and Lana. So a great team. And then we got the main event of the show, which was really good. Uh, just a good back and forth match. Drew had an awesome entrance where he came out with his kilt. He had the Claymore sword. He stabbed in the stage. He just needs to do this for every entrance now. It looks really cool. He came out here. Him and Orton had a really good back and forth match. Um, well, actually, Orton tried to get uh, disqualified at the beginning, tried to walk out, but Adam Pierce came out and said, no, 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 I'm going to make this a no disqualification match. You're not going to get out of it that easy. So then uh, Orton got the advantage with like beating uh, Drew with a chair. You know, came close to finishing him several times, but he went for an RKO. Drew got out of it, hit the Claymore, picked up the win, and re- or won again his WWE title. I mean, everybody's kind of said, and myself included, why did you even let Major lose against Orton? I mean, it was obviously just so Vince could do something different. Cause I mean, he gave Orton three matches, didn't want to beat him three straight times, but I think he finally realized Drew is the true champion here. 
uh, Roman is the true champion of SmackDown. It'd be way more interesting if these two guys and like it, the main event is those two guys. It's not Orton versus Roman. So he finally realized it, put the belt back on him. So, hey, I can't complain too much. It was kind of dumb, but whatever. So, so that's where we're at. We have now it's looking like it's going to be Drew versus Roman, barring like some random WWE title match on SmackDown this week that Roman loses. But uh, it's looking like they're going to have the title match at Survivor Series. Um, yeah, so that's where we're at right now in WWE. That, uh, that doesn't sound like a lot of fun. <laughs> it's just, especially with Raw this week, there were so many segments. There was very little wrestling. I mean, the main event basically took up the entire third hour. I mean, they, they had a bunch of packages. They drew it out as far as they could. Like the last half of the third hour was all Drew and Orton. So, which, hey, not complaining too much. If you're going to end it, you know, the third hour some way, I'd rather it be this than a bunch of segments. But other than that, not a lot of meat on the show. Like, wasn't a whole lot of good wrestling, a lot of short matches. They only have three hours, segments. Kyle. Yeah, so where SmackDown is, hey, they have the main event thing that's, like, really good, and they'll usually have one or two other good matches that help pad out the show and make it watchable. It was a little less watchable this week, but still okay, because it's only two hours. Raw, they don't have anything going on. Their booking is worse. And then they try to pad it out to fill this three hours. It just doesn't work. So, uh, yeah, Raw was not great this week. SmackDown was much better. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, so we will go into talking about AEW next. Uh, it's much more of an interesting show, a much better show this week. And uh, I know Mike is ready to get past WWE so we can talk about it. And I kind of am too. I'm worn out. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we'll take a break real quick. Pay some bills, and we'll be right back with our AEW Dynamite review of this week. Actually, something that's on time and not like a week old like it normally is. So Yeah, it's, it's amazing. I actually remember everything that happened. Yeah, so we will get back to that uh, as soon as we take a quick break, and we'll see you then. Stay tuned in picture in picture. <laughs> Hello out there, all you filthy animals. This is Aya Frick, and you're listening to Wrestle Life Radio. <laughs> And we are back. Micah, let's get into some good wrestling this week. Yeah, thanks for sticking with us through Picture in Picture. Always appreciate our audience uh, sticking through the commercials. Yes, sir. Uh, we, we open up AEW this week with the brand new tag team. I say brand new, but brand new to us, the tag team of Top Flight. There's a great video package. Uh, Darius and Dante Martin, I think 21 and 19. So mm-hmm. this is the youngest tag team we've seen on AEW. Great video package, I thought. Um, it's something we've uh, complained about in the past with AEW. They don't do enough video packages. But when they do, it really seems like they hit the mark. Uh, really good job getting us to know this young tag team. And boy, man, after the, after this match, I am, I'm ready to see some more of them. Because, good Lord, 21 and 19. And they're better than both tag teams that I've seen. As far as athleticism and everything, they are insane. Uh, they're basically uh, the young bucks, but they're actually young, so it's it's ridiculous. Uh, I told Riley during this match they should probably be called the old bucks because they're like 15 years older than their competition. Kind of <laughs> kind of crazy, but yeah, that, I mean, like this match started off all top flight. I mean, they're hitting everything 
they're flying all over. It's like two ricochets on a tag team. They're they're really that crazy. Uh, but basically, they're they're a little rough around the edges. But I mean, just their, for their age, rhythm, though, man. Like, yeah, technically they're not they're not there yet. But I mean, they're twenty one and nineteen. But the athleticism that they have is ridiculous. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they they controlled the beginning of the match with their athleticism, doing the young buck shtick. And basically, the only way the Young Bucks were able to pull it back was to slow it down and use their veteran techniques, basically. I mean, you saw Matt Jackson put in the freaking sharpshooter. So when you have the Young Bucks trying to gain control of a match with a sharpshooter, that's that's kind of crazy. Uh, they did end up breaking the hold, but uh, the Bucks were able to score the win after a BTE trigger. Uh, and after the match was over, I was actually thinking during this match, man, how crazy would it be to see TH2 versus Top Flight? Well, after the match, I guess we're going to see that because Jack Evans and Angelico come out and they attack Top Flight. The Bucks chase them away. They lift the Top Flight brothers' uh, hands like, hey, look at these guys. They did a great job. But yeah, this was a great match. Really exciting. Really quick pace. Um, if you're like a psychology, slow burn, old school wrestling fan, this is not the match for you. However, I like a lot of different kinds of wrestling, and I thought this was very, very good, and it got me really excited to see this uh, new tag team. And I'm sure TH2 versus Top Flight will be insane. Oh, yeah, very much a Young Bucks match. So yeah. if you're not a fan of them, you would not have been a fan of this at all. <laughs> uh, all of the Jim Cornette listeners, you can just shut off AEW for this first match. <laughs> you're not going to like it. Uh, and even less so, guess who's up next? Orange Cassidy. Yeah. But before that, we saw a promo backstage with John Moxley, and this might be one of my favorite John Moxley promos. It was so good. His backstage promos during his title reign have been just top tier. Uh, he really shows you why he is the number one wrestler in the world right now. And he slipped a little news to everybody. Uh, there's going to be a baby Moxley. Uh, Renee and Moxley are expecting a little one he mentions in the promo how the only reason that he's been able to hold on to this belt and become the man that he is is due to his father and the advice he gave him when he was young uh saying that they are the good guys which i thought was really cool and yeah he did uh, let it slip that renee is pregnant i'd say let it slip he basically announced that she was pregnant so uh yeah i think it's almost certain now that omega will get the title on december 2nd but you never know they could swerve us and, and push it off until revolution Okay. Congratulations to them. I'm sure that uh, they will be very happy with their little one coming. Uh, after that, we had Orange Cassidy versus Kip Sabian with Miro on commentary and Penelope Ford at ringside. Of course, I'm sure she won't get involved, right? Right. right. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is kind of furthering that best friends Miro Kip Sabian feud, I suppose. Um, I don't know. Like, this was an okay match. Um, I don't know. Like, do you feel like Orange Cassie's getting a little bit oversaturated right now? They're, they're using him too much. I said this whenever he started with the Jericho thing, that Orange Cassie's really good in small doses, but I feel like if they overused him, that he would kind of lose a little bit of his shimmer. And I feel like we've kind of reached that point now, right? I, I, I feel like that. He's a fantastic wrestler. Obviously, he's got to get past the gimmick, but the gimmick's kind of what makes him special. So I don't know. Are you saying he's jumped the, mim the mimosa pool? Yes, he's jumped the mimosa pool, I think. Yeah. I don't know. Like, this was a pretty good match. Obviously, we need to see more of Kip Sabian on Dynamite. But, uh, spoiler alert, Kip Sabian didn't even end up getting the win here. Orange Cassidy got the win with his mousetrap 
and Sabian actually didn't botch it. Looking at you, Jericho. Um, <laughs> it was pretty cool. Pretty cool to see that actually win the match. But I don't know. I feel like Kip probably should have had the win here. I mean, what are they building Cassidy to, really? I mean, he, he beat Jericho. He's lost the TNT title. His three opportunities for the TNT title here recently. He's not challenging Moxley or Omega, right? Actually, he may be challenging Omega. That may be what they're building to whenever Omega gets the belt. That would be a pretty good match, actually. But even then, I don't know. I feel like Kip Sabian needed the win here because, honestly, what has he done, like, ever? He's also the heel here. So, like, that's that's what I like AEW's booking over WWE's in a sense because, I mean, there's got to be a winner and loser. And if – I mean – the story should be in what it always used to be in wrestling, but not in WWE. It used to be that baby faces are popular because they're good. The heels are unpopular because they're not as good. Some of them are good. Like Ric Flair is good, but he has to cheat to win. And that's just kind of the old, the old school mentality was the, could the baby face stave off the heels tactics to try and win? Cause they know if it was a fair fight, the baby face would always win. So where WWE has strayed away from that is uh, their baby faces suck and their heels are basically always outsmarting them. And they start feuds with like New Day losing, you know, the champions losing to, you know, some random team fairly or something like. So in a sense, I'm fine with Kip uh, taking the loss here because it just means Cassidy's better than him. And he, well, if he wants to ever beat him or, you know, beat best friends with Miro or something, he's going to need a little bit more than what he's got. So I was fine with it. Um, obviously Miro got in after and straight up killed orange Cassidy with a lariat. So yeah, yeah he did. So I don't know if like, uh, yeah, you, you might uh, get your wish and he might, orange Cassidy might be on the sideline for a while because he got decked by Miro. Um, so I don't know if they're going to do a, a best friends versus Miro Kip like going forward or like what they're building to. But I mean, I'm fine with it here. It, yeah. Best friends know, came out for the rescue and Miro was run off. Uh, I feel like they're probably building to Miro and Kip versus best friends either on like the December 2nd, probably the December 2nd dynamite. Right. Cause that's going to be, they're trying to really stack that card up. Having Miro on the card, I think would help. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I just, I feel like I can't remember the last time that Kip Sabian actually won a singles match. And he's really talented, and they we're building the whole wedding thing, which kind of appears to be dropped right now for the best friends feud. I don't know if it's because of COVID and they're not actually getting married, or they just – I don't know. I don't know what the deal is yeah, with that. Jiro even mentioned on commentary, like, yeah, we're still doing the wedding, the, the, the bachelor party and all that. But, I mean, we haven't heard anything out of it since the uh, freaking Donkey Kong guy was on there. So <laughs> Maybe he's going to be the third man for their team in Maybe the 6 so. tag match. That would be hilarious if he just on the <laughs> doesn't do anything. Billy Mitchell is that his name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I uh, I love Orange Cassidy. I love Kip Sabian. I just felt like they're using Orange Cassidy too much, and I would have liked to seen Kip get the win. But either way, it's okay. It was an okay match. Uh, I think Kip Sabian did botch one. Like he was trying to get up on the rope and botched at one point, but it's no big deal. It happens. I get it. I'd like a like a B minus match or something. Uh, but after that, we had the contract signing. Uh, we had Omega making his way to the ring, having like, cause we, I'd mentioned to Riley, I was like, oh, this is kind of weird because like, how is he going to make his entrance? Is he going to use his old entrance? Is he going to go all out and use the freaking broom girls and the, 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 the sheet 
pull away and everything, and guess what? He sure did. He comes out in aviators and uh, a full suit, and he's got the girls there in their uh, 80s uh, aerobics Barbie outfits with their brooms dancing. It's just weird <laughs> making this full entrance, but hey, that's, that's his thing. He's going over the top. That's his uh, his character right now, which I think works great. Um, but yeah, he makes his way to the ring. Uh, Shivani is already in the ring, and uh, they cut to John Moxley's music, and they're looking around everywhere to see where in the arena he's going to enter, and he doesn't come. We don't see Moxley anywhere. We know he's in the stadium. He had that promo earlier backstage, but uh, no, nowhere to be found. So Mox, uh, Shivani is like, oh, I'm getting something from the back, which is wrestler talk for somebody's knocked out. Straight out of Monday Night Nitro. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm getting something. Let's run in the back. Uh, and they pull it up on the screen, and we see Doc Sampson huddling over uh, John Moxie, Jerry Lynn, a couple other backstage guys. Uh, John Moxie's got a bloody nose, and he's knocked out. Which if he was unresponsive and knocked out and had a bloody nose, uh, they were very nonchalantly acting like... Yeah, because like he might be dead. <laughs> yeah, like... You don't know what's, I mean, the guy could have internal bleeding, like maybe his brain is bleeding or something. And they're just like, <laughs> they're just like, yeah, don't move him. Just go get somebody. Yeah, go, uh, go call 911. Jerry Lynn's like, I'll call 911. Like, the thanks, Jerry. Yeah, he's, he's not going anywhere. We're good. Not our world champion might be dead. Lock yeah. down the campus. No Would have liked to see a little more urgency from him, but yeah. it, it's fine. They're not actors, they're, they're medics, I guess. Um, but yeah, and then cuts back to the ring and Tony Schiavone. Might be even worse, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> and Tony, Tony don't, Schiavone. Don't have, don't get a brain injury and get this guy. Let this guy find you because he will not go in a hurry. So. Yeah, it's true. Uh, Tony Schiavone's back in the ring with Kenny Omega and is like, "Oh, Kenny, do you have anything to say?" And Kenny, in like the perfect heel response, is like, "Oh, Moxley's just trying to get out of it again. First, it was his elbow. Now it's his nose." It's like Kenny, he's not responsive. He might be dead. What's what's happening here? And then Tony, and then he like goes to sign the paper, which they gave him a brand new pen and didn't bother taking the nib off, you know, like the little plastic nib on the end of the pen. So yeah. he like goes to sign it and it doesn't work. So they have to like fiddle with the pen for a second. And Tony Schiavone's like, you got it, man? You need some help? It's like, oh my God, man, come on. That, that assistant's fired. Uh, so he's, he just signs the, the paper and like walks out. Tony Schiavone's like, okay, no further questioning. I thought this was a little bit anticlimactic. Uh, it was, I don't know, it didn't do enough to make us wonder who attacked Moxley. Didn't make us have any kind of suspicion that it was Omega. Uh, they didn't allude to it at all throughout the entire rest of the show. Like, hey, Moxley's not dead that I know of. Uh, I'm sure we'll find out more next week. But this segment on its own wasn't great. I mean, I thought it was fine and... Yeah, I, I'm assuming it was Omega, but yeah, you're right. They didn't really, they didn't drop any clues or anything. There wasn't, you know, like, I mean, I don't know what they would have done. Like, maybe there was a broken broom over his back or something. I don't know. But so you're right in the sense that they didn't, like, tease who it could have been. Uh, but maybe we'll get something, you know, a hint or something later down the line. I don't feel like it's a very Kenny Omega thing to do, though, right? Even in his heel persona, unless he's doing something different. I don't know. I would say maybe like he walked by Lance Archer or something and Lance Archer just took him out. I don't know. But I mean, why would they be building to a different feud right now? I don't know. They did actually ask Eddie Kingston later in the show if he had anything to do with it. He said no. 
So they they did actually allude to it a little bit later in the show. I should have should have remembered that. Uh, but anyway, we had two different segments before and after that last segment I mentioned, which were the Las Vegas segments. I'm gonna just roll them all into one here. Uh, the MJF and the Inner Circle, or should I just say the Inner Circle, had a trip to Las Vegas as mentioned last week. And uh, yeah, honestly, I loved it. It was all great. I laughed and laughed. Uh, the first half saw the crew gambling. Uh, MJF stole Sammy Guevara's Blackjack uh, 21. Uh, Wardlow and Jake Hager the entire time, just a load of sexual tension. They're just mean-mugging each other. Uh, they they all go to a strip club. Who are they, John Silver? Yeah, they all go to a strip club, and like they're at a strip club. There's these dancers and everything all over Chris Jericho and the rest of them. And then MJF, or I'm sorry, uh, Wardlow, Jake Hager, just staring at each other the entire time. It's like, come on, man, just kiss already. Just, just come on. No, uh, Chris Jericho and MJF kind of are one-upping each other like they did with the steak. They start out with like uh, some regular like fruity drink, and they work their way all the way to Everclear, uh, and they just get just crap faced. Uh, Conan shows up because uh, Proud and Powerful is like, you know, we're going to take the party to the next level. Conan comes out of a limo. There's more shenanigans. The second half was basically like an imitation of The Hangover. Everyone's waking up in the hotel suite. Sammy apparently got married three times. Uh, Ortiz is like working out really hard to say the best, the best, the best, the best, the best. Really, really good. Uh, Chris Jericho walks in on Santana feeding chickens in the the, the lobby and s- calling them puppies or something. And they kind of stagger off together to, to come upon a baby hornswoggle in a diaper. So it was just silly fun, which we've came to expect here lately from the Inner Circle. And honestly, I just, I really liked it. I, lo- I really liked it. It was really fun, really funny. Some people don't like segments like this. I'm not one of those people. Sammy mentioned several times that he still hates MJF. Uh, obviously, you've got the MJ, uh, the Wardlow, Hager, sizing each other up. MJF and Jericho still measuring egos. Elvis was there, um, so it's it was a really a, a full it was a full angle <laughs> they worked here. Yeah, I saw like Jake Hager posted that Elvis was all elite now or something like that on Twitter. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I was like, is that the honky talk man? Oh no, it's just Elvis. Just all this. Uh, but anyways, after this, we had the return of Pac. Eight months he's been gone from the ring. And we've got him back this week against the Blade, which I thought was a great matchup. Obviously, Pac coming back last week, uh, trying to kind of reform the Death Triangle, which I don't think ever had a match before he had to leave. Nope. Before the pandemic hit. So... Yeah, he's trying to to bring uh, Pentagon and Phoenix together, so he's going to be facing the Blade. And uh, honestly, he didn't really seem like he missed a beat. Like I, I thought ring rust would probably be a thing. Maybe like one or two spots. He didn't end up hitting the Black Arrow, um, which I kind of expected him to, but maybe he's wanting to save that for something bigger. Uh, probably... I don't know, him versus Kingston or something at Revolution or December 2nd, who knows. Uh, but yeah, it was it was a really solid, good match. Um, the pack did end up winning. He hit a shooting star press on the blade uh, into the br- Brutalizer for the submission victory. Uh, pack goes for the mic and tries to address Eddie Kingston, but the Butcher comes up and attacks him from behind. 
uh, Ray Phoenix comes out to save him because everybody's just wailing on him. Eddie Kingston, Blade, uh, I think Bunny was in there. Of course, she interfered in the match multiple times. Uh, but yeah, Ray Phoenix comes in to, uh, you know, basically stop, what is it, three or four versus one. Mm-hmm. It wasn't super effective. Ray Phoenix got overwhelmed very quickly. But then came in Pentagon or Penta L Zero Miedo or whatever his name is this week. Came out with a steel chair. And uh, it looked like he was going to attack Ray Phoenix because, as we saw last week, there's obviously some bad blood between the Lucha Brothers. Kingston's trying to, for some reason, put a wedge between them. I still don't get that story. I don't know if they will talk about it more, build it up a little bit. I don't get it. I really don't get why he would try to break these people up. They were all part of a family, and then all of a sudden he wants to break them up. I don't know. I don't get it. Anyways, yeah, he comes out, and, and then Eddie Kingston like hugs him, and he's like, yeah, man, get him, get him. And then he goes for a swing on Eddie Kingston, and Eddie Kingston just kind of barely, barely dodges it. And it left the Death Triangle in the ring back together, I guess. Which, on one hand, I want to see the Death Triangle. It will be fantastic. But on the other hand, what the crap was the booking for last week? Like, the booking for last week and the booking for this week... Don't match up at all. Last week, you had freaking Ray Phoenix and Pentagon ripping each other's mask off, which is like the most ruthless thing you can do in Luchador tradition. Attacking each other, uh, you know, just really, really getting angry at each other. And this week, Pentagon is defending Ray Phoenix. I don't know. Like, I get their brothers, and it can be like a weird dynamic, but it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. What do you yeah. What do you think about that? Uh, I agree. And I also saw this and I don't know. I don't remember if we've actually said it on the show before. Maybe we've mentioned it, but I saw this and like, you know, obviously uh, Ray Phoenix, um, Pentagon and uh, Pac had a team before. They they probably just, you know, kind of rushed getting them back together just to do it, uh, and which kind of explains why it's a little clunky of, you know, the story and all that. But um I also like noticed, I was just like, God, there are a lot of factions in AEW now. Uh, I mean, it's kind of been like that a while too, but like, it just made me realize a little bit more. Like now we've got the death triangle. We got Ed, Ed Kingston's family with butcher blade and the bunny we Got team Taz best friends are a trio. Uh, Jurassic express or a trio. I mean, they really should have trio belts. And I, I think they're probably going to build toward that eventually. Cause uh, I mean, Trios, the um, Lucha Underground were kind of the first to, at least you know on a, American TV, have like a mainstream uh, trios champions. Um, yeah. They do it in Mexico, but like uh, they did an awesome job of it. So I, I, AW, I would imagine would do great at it as well, especially if you have a team like, you know, the Lucha Brothers and Pac in the Death Triangle holding the belts. Like that would just be fantastic. So I'm all for it, um, especially when you have so many teams because. Yeah, I just realized it's like, God, they're everybody. I mean, they got the Nightmare Family, like just so many factions, the, the Elite, Inner Circle. It's just a lot of them. Gun Club joined with the or the Nightmare Family, like it's a lot of them. So I feel like with all the factions, though, someone always like they always have something to do. So I, I like I like I kind of like all the factions. I, I don't know. Like it's it's. I don't mind having some, 
And especially if you're going to, it would make a lot more sense if there was a trios division, you know, it would be easier, but without it right now, like I just felt like there's a I lot of, I don't think of, they can handle a trios division with the current two hours of uh, television a week though. I mean, they already can't fit in the women's division, uh, which actually this episode had a lot of women's stuff we'll get to. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, that's I, just my thoughts. I mean, I, I think with a trios title, I think they could, it would make a little bit more sense, but yeah, it's just like, it seems like everybody's on the other than John Moxley everybody's like on a team and uh obviously hangman is not yeah and look at uh look at what uh mjf said you know he's he's a great wrestler but he needed a faction to survive in AEW, which is kind of true and you have that many running around yeah so unless you're john freaking moxley it just doesn't work uh also worth mentioning i think i think i've skipped over it it may have not happened yet in the show it doesn't matter uh, we cut backstage at some point, and Jade Cargill is attacking Brandy Rhodes and has put her arm in a chair and then stomps on it. And then Big Swole runs her off. So Big Swole and Serena Deeb, I believe, runs, run her off. Uh, so that was a thing. They're building a storyline even further with Jade Cargill and Brandy Rhodes. So that's pretty cool. I guess the whole Anna J. Brandy Rhodes thing may be done. I don't know. Uh, well, they did announce that. Um, because Anna Jay is not lost in her last few matches. She's going to get a shot against Sheeta next week, I think. Yep, yep, that'll be good. I'm really looking forward to that. I would have mm-hmm. liked to seen Brandy versus Anna Jay on Dynamite. Uh, never thought I would say that, but I, I think that if they're going to have a feud and, and with as little women's feuds as they have, I think they need to pay it off. So maybe they'll build to it. Maybe they're waiting for Brody Lee to come back, start some stuff with him and Cody again. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. The whole Brody Lee thing is just really weird. I think he legitimately got injured in his Cody match. Um, he might have, or he might have gotten sick. In his AEW Unrestricted podcast, he was saying that he was like taking some time off after that uh, dog collar match to like genuinely heal up, not just like like to f- fake heal up, but like he actually hurt himself. So oh, I don't okay. know. So they, like- they had, I did. I didn't know that, but like they definitely haven't addressed it on TV. So yeah, it almost <laughs> seems like John Silver is the leader of the Dark Order now, right? Uh, I guess so. It, it it that's the way it comes across on BTE, obviously, because he's super over. But even on Dynamite, like he's the one announcing Anna Jay versus uh, Hikaru Shida. Like yeah. it seems like John Silver's taken over. I mean, he even had the little exalted one uh, robe and everything on. So well, just wait until um, Brody Lee comes back. It's going to be a very entertaining. I would love it if they worked it. A lot of mfers dropped when he comes <laughs> back on BTE. I would love it if on Dynamite he comes back and like John Silver's got on his robe. He's calling himself the Exalted One, and he's like leading around the Dark Order, and the Brody Lee's just standing there behind him, and he immediately starts cowering. That'd be great. That'd be a great little segment. Uh, probably be a BTE segment though. Either way, uh, let's get to the NWA Women's Championship match between Serena Deeb and Thunder Rosa, because this was a really, really good match. Uh, probably the best uh, women's match we've seen on AEW, which is a shame because it's between the NWA champion, which is an AEW uh, roster member, and an NWA member. So best match they've had, and it's kind of an NWA match. So take that as you will. Uh, But yeah, really excited to see Thunder Rosa come back. A little weird, honestly, the way this whole thing has went down. Because, I don't know, like, you had Serena Deeb doing a couple matches on AEW, almost like jobbing out. Then she goes to NWA, wins the title off of Thunder Rosa, allegedly because a lot of people thought Thunder Rosa was leaving. Uh, 
But no, she's still under contract until 2021, apparently. So I don't know what they're doing, but either way, they're both super talented wrestlers and they're putting on really good matches. The story is lacking, yes, but hey, I'll, I'll take it. It's better than what we normally get. Um, this is a really good match. We did see Britt Baker getting involved. She uh, apparently has had some beef with Thunder Rosa recently on Twitter. So I guess they're building between uh, Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa, which I think will be fantastic. Uh, excited to see Britt Baker get a real challenger and a real feud brewing here. Uh, that was the one thing I didn't actually like about this match was... Yeah, so it was weird that it happened during the match, right? Yeah, and I mean, they, to my knowledge, I mean, I, I didn't even know they had something going on Twitter. So yeah, when so they, they came out... Commentary, was... And that's the only, the only reason I caught it. Right. But, um, I had no idea otherwise, but like Reba comes out and like distracts the ref and then Britt Baker comes out and spikes Rosa with a DDT. But the only reason I think that this is okay, because number one, it, it pushes the feud of a woman or two women, I should say on AEW, which doesn't happen. Right. But not only that, it didn't actually end the match. So yeah, it well, that was my problem with it. <laughs> what was your problem with it? Okay. So yeah. like, I don't know. Like I, I feel like it would have been cheap to or have. Or at least played into the finish because the, my issue with it was she comes out, she attacks Thunder Rosa, uh, you know, seemingly would give Serena the advantage, but they like wrestled for like five more minutes. Yeah. And Thunder Rosa, I mean, it wasn't dominated by Serena. Thunder Rosa basically acted like she wasn't even attacked. And she, I mean, she ended up losing in the end and Serena picked up the win, uh, but she beat her with a finish clean, I would say. So yeah. I didn't see any, you know, I, obviously it could start their feud, but as far as like it mattering for the match, it played no part of the match. Yeah, so Britt Baker hit Thunder Rosa with a DDT, I believe. And then Serena Deep came out and hit a power bomb for like a 2.99 count uh, pin. But then Thunder Rosa actually recovered and hit a series of moves for a near fall on Serena. But uh, Serena did manage to win with her finisher. So I, I guess perfect booking here probably would have been Britt Baker coming out, hitting Rosa with the DDT. Maybe Serena and Thunder Rosa are both out for a little while. Thunder Rosa come, or, uh, Serena Deep comes up, realizes what happened, hits her with a powerbomb. Thunder Rosa kicks out at, at like 2.99. And then Serena Deep hits her finisher right there and then gets the win. Yeah. yeah, that made it easy to play in the match a little bit of like Thunder Rosa had the match one bricks, Brit screwed her in some way. And I know like Tony Khan is not a fan of screwy finishes, but I mean, this is like a instance of being half pregnant. Like, yeah, you can't be half pregnant. Like it, it, she's like, what's the point of even having her out there to interfere? Like just have her come out and attack her after the match. If yeah. you know, it's not gonna play a part. So for sure. Uh, that's that was my main issue with it. I mean, not a bad match, obviously. These two women are very talented. Thunder Rose is great. Um, I hope she either signs with AEW after her NWA run. Um, because a lot of people seem to be jumping off the NWA ship because they're it's not doing down. anything. Yeah. Going down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah they are just their whole gimmick is, you know, an old school indoor wrestling thing, and they can't film now. So yeah. They're kind of screwed at, at the moment. So um, everybody's kind of jumping off and they've lost a lot of women, uh, at least in their promotion. So, um, and they love, they may be hitting the AEW, which is, you know, their benefit. So hopefully. I honestly would not be surprised if uh, Tony Khan absorbs the NWA 
and ends up making the second hour uh, basically NWA power. Or just doing another show on TNT and have it like the AEW brand or something. That could be yeah, the, the, show, the, the second yeah, the, show. The second show, yes, yeah, what I mean. Not the third hour of the show, but like yeah, yeah. the second show that they're going to air on Saturdays or whenever they're going to air it. Because uh, we actually seen even a lot of the adverts leading up to this were very old. I don't know if you saw any of them with like Tony Schiavone interviewing Cody backstage in front of a, uh, a wall that just says AEW wrestling over and over and over again. Uh, like it did in, I don't know, NWA back in the day. They had like the old skinny mic and everything. And they had like some old school promotion. So they're definitely building this to be up an old school uh, a vibe of a, a card, which kind of was other than maybe the first match. Um, but yeah, I, I think that it's probably going to end up if the pandemic doesn't end soon, NWA is probably going to get absorbed by AEW, which I think would be honestly really, really great. I mean, it's we'd get a good business move. We'd get Nick Aldis. Yeah, yeah. We'd get their, the entirety of their women's division. Uh, it'd be pretty good. Pretty yeah. good. At least uh, get a keep of the working relationship, which does appear they're doing. Uh, it's probably the only thing keeping them afloat right now, for being honest. Yep. But um, yeah. It was uh, it was a little weird like they had that laid out, but still, I thought it was a really good match. Some really yeah. good technical. It was, it was a good match. Uh, we then had the main event of the evening, at Team FTW versus Cody Rhodes and Darby Allen. It sounds weird saying Cody Rhodes now. It's, it's so used to being <laughs> Cody and Darby well, Allen. Could just call him Cody. Yeah. yeah, it's too afraid to have just one name apparently. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I don't know, like. Did you did you watch this match at all? Uh, I got to see the aftermath of the match. I didn't get to see the actual the match, but I saw what happened afterwards. So I didn't love either one of them. Like love them. I, I thought the match was pretty good. I guess um, Brian Cage obviously is ridiculous. I mean, he just is. Uh, I don't know. I don't even know like that much what to say about it. Basically. Brian Cage has just destroyed everybody. He hit, he, he, he like suplexed, he like a back body suplex on Darby Allen while Darby Allen was also holding Ricky Starks, which was super crazy to see him do. Mm -hmm. Uh, He put Darby Allen on the top turnbuckle. Uh, Darby Allen hit him with a headbutt to knock him down. But he hit, he picked Darby Allen up again and hit him with the Avalanche Michinoko driver from the middle rope for the pin and the win, which I think is probably good booking because, yeah, Darby Allen is the TNT champion, but also Brian Cage is like three times his size and just a ridiculous human being. If he is even a human being, I don't know. So I get that. Um, what I don't get so much is what happened after the match. Like This was a pretty solid main event. I thought that Cody and Darby always work really well together. And it makes more sense for the established team to get the victory. And they're building between Starks and Allen. Uh, I don't really know what they're doing with Cody right now. Uh, but out comes, after the match, you know, they continue to beat down. Also worth mentioning in the match, I'm sorry. Arn Anderson was thrown out for being Arn Anderson. Yep. Uh, and then Taz leaves commentary and goes to ringside. So now we have Taz ringside. Honestly, it seems like Taz is a better manager than Arn Anderson or Tolly Blanchard for that matter. It seems like he really gets involved and it ends up benefiting his teams. So maybe maybe that's why we see what happens next. But yeah, Will Hobbs comes out and uh, he's got a chair 
I think. Yeah, he's got a chair. And he runs Brian Cage and Ricky Starks out of the ring. Now, people have been noticing that for the last few uh, run-ins, Will Hobbs never actually touches Brian Cage or Ricky Starks. He just kind of runs them off. So he comes in the ring. He throws the chair down. He picks up the TNT title belt like he's about to hand it back to Darby Allen. He looks over at Cody, who's starting to get up, and then lays him out. So Brian Cage runs in. He gives Will Hobbs a big hug. And, uh, yeah, uh, Will Hobbs is now Team FTW, I guess. So it was a nice swerve to end the show. So you've got some real big boys there on Team Taz. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But, like, Will Hobbs is a natural face to me. I mean, we haven't seen a whole lot of him, but good Lord, look at his story. He became a wrestler because his brother wanted to be a wrestler. His brother died. I think he was like a police officer or something. Not a police officer. He had like, I don't know, something tragic happened to him. And he's got like this tragic story, this real baby face story. He throws off some real baby face vibes, but he's going Team Taz. I don't know. Yeah. He didn't look comfortable. Like, did, did you watch it at all? Like, he didn't look comfortable being a heel. Even yeah, I did, I did see the ending, and I was disappointed in it because I was starting to get on the, the Will Hobbs train of, like, getting behind this guy. I, I'm, I'm right there with you. Like, he had a good story, like, you know, as a character. He, you know, as a young guy, he could, you know, I, I don't necessarily want to see him join the Nightmare family, but, like. Yeah, God, no, please. Yeah, Never but, know. like, even, you know, kind of tagging with Cody once once in a while or something and kind of getting some good matches underneath him. Uh yeah, I just I was rooting for the guy, and I mean it's it's good. It's not like a bad heel turn, but like because I mean he still looks strong. He's with a good team, but yeah, I, I was just kind of disappointed. I was like, yeah, he he didn't really have a whole lot of momentum behind him. I mean, he had momentum, but it was more like of a. I think people were ready to see him kind of you know step into a bigger role because he hasn't really done much yeah. since uh, he, he had that stuff. He had that match against Brian Cage, which was really good. Right, but I mean, he hasn't made his mark as like yeah. a face yet to be like a big swerve, like just you know, it's, it's, he's he hasn't kind had of, any mic time or anything that I know of. Which made I feel like we were starting to get the ball rolling of him as a baby face, and then they just stopped to turn him heel. Is a good way to describe it, I guess. Of like, I felt like he was getting momentum, and now I feel like it's. We'll see what they do with it, because uh, I mean, hey, sometimes people go heel, uh, and it brings out more of their you know personality because it's easier to be a heel. And he could use that and have a bigger babyface run someday. It might be the best thing for him, but it's, it'll, you know, time will tell. Uh, but I was starting to get on board of him being a babyface, just being this big, jacked up dude, killing people. But And my thing, too, is like they don't have any big baby faces. They have Luchasaurus, and that's it. And he's part of a tag team. Yeah. Like you got Lance Archer, you got Brian Cage. Uh, I guess you could say Dustin's kind of, I mean, he's a big guy, but he's not a giant by any means. Right. I don't know. I feel like they needed a, a big, you know, lovable baby face, and he was the perfect guy for it. But I guess we're not going to get that. Yeah. Unless they uh, double swerve us and he turns on Brian Cage. I don't know. They better not do that now. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with it. Yeah. Overall, this was a pretty good show. Uh, probably like a B, B show. I uh, had some really good wrestling, some iffy booking decisions, and some really good promo work. So, um, I don't know. Yeah, so I, I pretty good, pretty good. Better than better than anything WWE put out this week. I'll say, probably. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I didn't watch any of it, so 
<laughs> I, the Roman J stuff. I mean, Roman's been great, uh, and I like him in the heel role. Jay is being his lackey, you know, is fine. Uh, he is kind of good. He is kind of going back to being a geek when, you know, I, I thought he was kind of, I think people wanted to see him eventually kind of come back and take down Roman, but he's kind of, you know, he's fallen in line and now he's kind of his geek. So uh, it's I mean, a little bit harder to sell down the road, but I am looking forward to him and Drew. I think it'll be a, I mean, I really don't know who would win that match. I'm assuming Jay's going to play a part in it. Yeah, but, I think some screwery will happen. But it could go either way. Like, it really could go either way of, like, Jay tries to help out Roman. He screws him over by mistake. And, you know, uh, I think Drew beating Roman would not hurt Roman. Uh, so, yeah. I, and then I could see Jay screwing over Drew and, you know, letting Roman get the victory and solidify himself in that role. So, as far as the main event of, like, SmackDown and that story – you know, thumbs up for me, but basically everything else is not very good. Yeah. I mean, so honestly, the Mysterio and Seth uh, stuff was pretty good where they were going, but they just ended it. And the match was good this week, but you know. Yeah. I mean, I've been on the Drew train the entire time he's been champion, even since the Royal Rumble. Right. And I've been on the Roman train the whole time he's came back, but it's just the entire show around it that's in, in the company around it, really, that, that really loses it for me. Yeah. No, so. I agree. So. But anyway, that is uh, our week in review for this week. Everybody, we appreciate you for listening, for uh, keeping up with us. If you were expecting an episode on a Wednesday morning and didn't get it and are still tuning in today, we thank you because uh, we screwed up for sure. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we'll have a new schedule, like we said, from now on. And just a reminder, we will be putting this out on uh, the new shows out on Friday, our week in reviews, and then either Tuesday or Wednesday, uh, possibly Wednesday, I think, uh, will be Matt's Indie Focus. Whenever he posts it, uh, the next time around, that'll be the regular day. Uh, but thanks again for uh, listening to us. Thanks, Micah, for being here. Yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, you can follow us on social media on Twitter and Instagram. Or wait, no, it's Facebook and Instagram at Wrestle Life Radio on Twitter at Wrestle Life Pod. You can follow Matt on Twitter and Instagram at Wrestle Life Matt, and you, you can follow me on Instagram at Kyle Thanks for tuning in again, guys. We appreciate it. We uh, we've gotten more and more listens. Uh, you know, it's just keeping us motivated to keep doing this for you guys. And we, we enjoyed doing it. So uh, we appreciate you as well and keep sending us your messages. Cause we, we talk to you guys on, uh, on Facebook as well. We'll hit you up on Twitter, on Instagram, feel free to reach out with any questions or whatever. And um, we appreciate it guys uh, until next week. We'll see you then. All right. Have a good week. <laughs>